Listen to Sienna T Radio because that is where it's at, baby. And it goes a little something like this. Listen to Sienna. You're gonna like it. Check it out. Sienna has the best songs, the best vibes from around the world. Tune in now or you're missing out. What a busy traffic on this Friday evening. I am almost stuck in this traffic for the last 40 minutes. And there is no way, I think, for me to get to the show. The Sienna T Radio Song Bank. Which is going to start very shortly. It's one of my favorite shows. And my, my, what a way to wind down for the weekend. Perfect two hours of fun-filled music. And she has so many great features. Sound of Music. Undercover. Foreign Exchange. Name that tune. And the big wheel that she spins. For who's that? Or where are we? We cannot forget about the international stage. I have never come across such a great show in my life. I think I will have to press hard on my accelerator and go as fast as I can to get home in time. Wow! Wow! Look! I made it! I am almost there! Sienna t Making your day brighter, one song at a time. Welcome to Broadcast Map. This is the show I cover the world of broadcasting, sports media, and from time to time, my favorite sports teams. Here is your host, Ali Musa. Welcome to Broadcast Map. We, I have made it for the Friday show here on Friday, February 16th. 2024. Happy Family Day to those of you in Ontario and parts of Canada who are celebrating this weekend. I really uh, hope you'll take some time to listen to our conversation today. I am Ali Musa, joined by Sean Woodley, of uh, host of Locked On Raptors. And I must say, that is just a great show. In fact, all the Locked On shows are really good. Thank you so much, Sean, for taking some time to join me today. Hey, thanks so much for having me here. I'm I'm happy to be here. <clears throat> Sounds good. So let's let's start there. Uh the Raptors made they they made the trade for um and they um uh, acquired RJ Barrett and what what were your thoughts on the trades that they made uh, starting with RJ Barrett? 
Yeah, so the OG for RJ and Emmanuel quickly trade, I, I thought that was a really good piece of business for the Raptors. I, I think, um, you know, frankly, when that trade happened, I mostly viewed Emmanuel quickly as the big main piece coming back. And I still think long term, he's going to end up being the better of the two players. But uh, RJ Barrett's been fantastic. And I think the move to a new team sort of away from Julius Randle, where they had very similar styles of play, very similar parts of the court they'd like to get to. Uh, I think the overlap with them was pretty severe. And RJ now has been brought into this team where he's being asked to finish plays, come around screens, finish, you know, going hard to the rim, not having to have the ball in his hands too much. Uh, I think it's been a perfect sort of narrowing down of Barrett's responsibilities. And I think the fit's been wonderful. I, I, I'm fully on the idea that Barrett can be part of, of the core of a good basketball team now, which I don't know if I was totally sure of during his time with the New York Knicks. You know, he had his moments here and there, but overall I, I was always left feeling a little bit wanting more from Barrett. And it's interesting that doing less has made him a more proficient basketball player. Um, you know, Emmanuel quickly, I think that was for me, one of the key guys the Raptors could have gone to target uh, to fill in their very glaring hole when it came to point guard play. Dennis Schroeder did his best to start the season, but I just did not think he was good for the type of offense the Raptors were trying to run. It was flowing through him way too much and quickly just brings this element of vertical spacing up and down the floor, north-south spacing with his three-point shooting above the break, the way he can get into the teeth of the defense, get downhill. Um, you know, he needs to finish at the rim better. That's something to work on for him for sure. But uh, he just brings an extra element of dynamism to this team that they were severely severely lacking and i think his fit next to scotty barnes is basically perfect as far as the way their games can interact on the floor um so that trade i had absolutely no problem with it's the trades after that i mean the, the deadline was fine but the pascal siakam trade i still uh am not a terribly huge fan of ali and what's the reason for that they didn't get enough for pascal siakam and they did not have to trade pascal siakam they had the opportunity many, many times to give him a max contract to stick around. And I know the sort of response to that is, well, he's not the best player on a championship team. Well, guess what? Like most championship teams have multiple max players and not everybody can be a top of the league, super duper star who's earning a max contract. Pascal Siakam, something less than that, but he's still an absolutely fantastic basketball player. And he fit, I think, wonderfully next to Scotty Barnes, RJ Barrett, and Emmanuel quickly. There was those four fleeting, beautiful games after the OG trade where those four guys were really, really good with one another. They went three and one in that time. They looked just like the fit was there. And I didn't feel like they had to go and trade Pascal Siakam for what ended up being a pretty ho-hum package of Bruce Brown, who is more so just like a contract on the books than he is an actual player for the Raptors right now. Um, obviously, he's playing, but I think they kept him around mostly for the the trade flexibility he brings them in the summer. Um, and then like a couple of picks, three picks from the Pacers, none of which terribly good picks. I, I just think that they could have gotten more for Pascal had they just signed him and traded him down the line or signed him and just said, you know what? Yeah, you're older than our core here, but not everyone has to be the same age on a basketball team. There's a runway here where we can have you on the team with Barnes, with Barrett, with Quickly for at least three more seasons to build something and see where this thing can go as the 22, 23, and 24-year-old four-year-old guys get better. 
And they totally punted on that opportunity because I think they had their minds made up well before even the OG trade that Siakam was going to be moved. And I, I just did not like the way they handled it. If they were going to trade him, they should have just traded him in the summer for what they could get and gone into the season without that massive cloud of uncertainty that basically ruined the first half of the Raptors season. And they ultimately did not get enough for Pascal Siakam for me to think it was justified in moving him on. Now we'll see. They have extra flexibility this summer in terms of, uh, you know, extra cap space and trade possibilities and all of that. If they turn that extra cap flexibility into real players to pair with Scotty Barnes going forward, then the trade looks different in hindsight. But overall, uh, I think they really, really grossly mismanaged the Pascal Siakam situation. And you hope they don't pay for it for a long time, but they certainly very well could, especially when you look across the hall in the Eastern Conference and Pascal Siakam is playing with Tyrese Halliburton and making beautiful beautiful basketball music on the court together. And it really calls into question the whole timeline thing. Cause it's not like Tyrese Halliburton's 30 years old. He's 23, 24 years old as well. And I think the timeline thing there is clearly not an issue. And I don't think it would have been an issue for the Raptors had they kept him around either. Now, see it, it really, to me, I, I think this sort of, I, I feel this kind of looks like, but see that, they're trying to build around now Scotty Barnes and mm -hmm. and and kind of look at and and they and they sort of teared things down a little bit now and now it's even more there's really nobody left from that 2019 championship run mm -hmm. except for me except for Chris Boucher. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, this is what happens, right? The 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 slow, unstoppable churn of time will take away all the players you liked from your team and replace them all. It doesn't have to be a bad thing, right? Like, it can be no. something where change can be good. I just think in this case, you know, Fred Van Vliet out the door, OG Ananobi out the door, that to me was enough change to sort of think, okay, there's something new to work with here, something to build upon with Scotty and Pascal as your number one and two. And I, I just think they they way too quickly moved on from the idea of keeping that group together. And I think, you know, they could grow to regret it for sure down the line. That said, I am excited about where things go from here. Scotty Barnes is clearly extremely talented. I'm very high in Emmanuel quickly. Um, Grady Dick showing a lot of really promising signs of late as well. He's playing great basketball. And they will have, you know, draft picks this summer and, and a little bit of financial flexibility to work with to add players. So there's totally a world in which this works out and they set themselves up for lots of years of success where they build and build and build into a playoff team and hopefully better than that. But I, I still think it's, it's far from a guarantee with the way the roster is currently situated. They just don't have the same high-end talent that you need to really compete in the NBA these, these days. And Pascal Siakam is high-end talent. And so unless they can find a, a way to replace his level of talent on this team, it could get pretty ugly here for the next couple of seasons as they sort through what the Scotty Barnes team for, of the future is going to look like. Yeah, and that's another thing, too. That's sort of it. Like, I mean... I think the future, if we look at the future, it doesn't, it looks to be that it's going to be um, like, um, I, I think it was in my announcement that I had put it that are they rebuilding? I, I remember, I remember I mentioned it somewhere, but mm. they rebuild, like, does it sort of look like that they're rebuilding now for like the next couple of seasons? Does it look like it's a rebuild now? Yeah, I mean, the word rebuild is hard. I think everyone kind of has their own definition for it. To me, like a classic rebuild is 
you tear everything down to the studs, you try to lose games to get lottery odds, and you hope that you get lucky in the draft. And, and I don't think that's what they're doing here. They've already gotten super lucky in the draft. They got Scotty Barnes. That's the type of guy that you theoretically do try to tank for. And so I don't think we're going to see them try to lose games on purpose, as much as I think some members of the fan base would like to see that because of the draft pick situation the Raptors are in right now, where their pick is only top six protected. There's every chance they give up the seventh overall pick to the Spurs. And so I could see the argument for wanting to try to lose as many games as possible to fall as far down the standings as you can to give yourself a better chance of keeping that pick. I also just don't think that is what this front office has an appetite for. I think they don't want to waste a third of a season just playing out the string and not trying to win games and build habits and play competitive basketball where they can get reps for their young players like Barnes, Quickly, and Barrett. These guys are developmental players still. They're very young. They need to learn on the fly here on how to win basketball games. And I think if they're playing close games down the stretch, that's one thing. That's good. That's that's helpful. That's productive for next season, regardless of whether they make the plane or not, which at this point is almost certainly not happening. They're way far out of the play-in race at this point. And so I, I think as long as they're not trying to lose games for many years, I don't know if I would qualify it as a rebuild. I kind of have termed it as a recentering. It's a, okay, Scotty Barnes is our guy. We know we have him here already, and we have other pieces who fit with him. Now it's about finding more players who fit with him. And I don't think they'll be shy, say, even this summer, about trying to go make additions to Scotty Barnes to bolster his timeline right now. I don't think a traditional rebuilding team will be looking to do that. But I think the Raptors, because Scotty Barnes is already in year three, going into year four next season, they have quickly, they have Barrett, they have guys who are more established. I think they're a little further along the curve than your standard rebuilding team that goes into the tank for many, many years, hoping to eventually get pulled out by drafting a superstar. I don't think we're going to see that type of rebuild, quote unquote, for the Raptors. Yeah, and there was a couple of months ago, too, where the Raptors sort of where their their coach kind of got fired up there after that, after mm-hmm. a game there. Like, what are your like thoughts on like, um, did, did he take it? Did he did, did he take things too far? Uh, so Darko talking about the, the, the Lakers game and the, I don't think he took it yeah. too far. I think it was great. I think referees need to be knocked down a peg. And I think it was well worth the $75,000 fine or whatever it was for Darko to have his piece heard. Um, you know, I think Darko is clearly someone who is very good at getting people to want to, to work for him to, to he's, he seems to be excellent with relationships. And I think going out there and defending Scotty Barnes like that all plays into that. Right. And so uh, I've got no issues with a coach berating officials. I think officials could always stand to be knocked down a peg or two. And uh, I think Darko Ryakovich, while he hasn't been perfect this year, I mean, the defense is not very good. Um, you know, there have been issues obviously, but I think he's instilled a lot of really good ideas on the offensive side of the ball. And I think his relationship management has been pretty clear a thing that stands out when anyone who talks about him talks about what a great relationship guy he is. And so uh, I've been more than happy with the start of the Darko Ryakovich tenure. I think he's certainly earned more runway with this team to see what he can do. And I'm glad that he finally has, like he knows what players he has on this team so we can hopefully coach him up a bit down the stretch of this season to play some competitive, meaningful games that can lay the groundwork for what they're hoping to do going into next season. Yeah, no, I think it's yeah, no, I, I think I was I think it was interesting to see him kind of get like sort of you know kind of get fired up like that. Mm-hmm. But I think um I mean uh 
Yeah. Now, what about um, what do you think of like uh, Masai Ujiri's future? Do you see? I mean, do you kind of see him hanging around at least a couple more years? Yeah, I don't think Masai is going anywhere right now. Obviously, you know, if ownership steps in and the team's losing and they say, hey, this is enough and they make a decision, you're at the whims of ownership at all times. And, you know, things can change very, very quickly. You know, I don't think Masai is going anywhere. I think he has built such equity with the franchise just as a figurehead, as someone who does more than just manage the basketball team that it would be pretty tough to move on from him. We'll see about Bobby Webster, the GM of the team. You know, if things don't go well here, if the offseason doesn't transpire in a way that's beneficial, maybe things start to get a little hot on his seat. But I think Masai Ujiri probably has about as much job security as anybody in the NBA. And, and you know, again, that's not to say that he can't be fired tomorrow because Ed Rogers could come in and decide, you know what, it's time for a change. And when ownership makes a decision, it's hard to fight off that decision. But overall, I think he's pretty comfortable where he is. I don't think he's going to go and get moved on. I don't think he's going to go find some other job either. Um, I think Masai Ujiri, despite the last couple of years, which have not gone well for this front office, it's been a bad run of decision-making for this front office. I think they've done enough over the course of their time with the Raptors to earn the chance to dig themselves out of the corner of the hole that they've kind of dug themselves into over the last couple of seasons with the thing, you know, like the Jakob Pertle trade and the indecision on Fred Van Vliet and the indecision on Pascal Siakam and OG Ananobi, all this stuff has spiraled and led to, uh, you know, a not very good situation, all things told, but there's enough here in terms of promising players on the roster, things they can do in the future. And again, that track record of success that I think Masai Ujiri still got plenty of job security with the Raptors as, as it stands right now. Sounds good. And, and tell us about, uh, tell us about uh, locked on Raptors uh, and, uh, and where people can find you online. Yeah. Uh, you can find the show locked on Raptors uh, every day, Monday through Friday and all the audio podcast apps and on YouTube as well. Talking about 30 minutes a day on the team and all that goes on around it. Game recaps, guest interviews, things like that. You can find the show on Instagram at locked on Raptors. We also have a discord server for listeners. If you want to come hang out there, the link is always in the description of the podcast every day. Um, so you can come hang out there and uh, yeah, that's, uh, that's basically there. I, I guess we're on Twitter also, but Twitter's bad. So I don't really, uh, <laughs> I don't really promote it all that much or use it that much these days but uh yeah those are all the places you can find the show sounds good uh well sean i really want to take this opportunity to thank you so much for uh joining me on this friday afternoon um here anyway at the time of this recording friday afternoon and uh and um and i look forward to having you um hope we can have you i hope i can have you back in the future again yeah thanks for having me ali anytime Sounds good. And Broadcast Map returns on Tuesday, February 27th, featuring Mark, so voiceover talent Mark Scott. And any of you may remember anybody in the in the in the uh, Hamilton, Toronto areas or anywhere would remember Mark Scott from his radio days. My name is Ali Musa. Thank you so much for listening. And I will remind you, stay tuned. There is always excellent conversation taking place thank you so much for listening to broadcast map to learn more about the show please visit http colon slash slash alitechgroup.wordpress.com slash broadcast map slash like the broadcast map facebook page by searching broadcast map stay tuned 
there is always excellent conversation on the way.